Hey, Flomies, welcome to another edition of the ITF Flowcast. We have a special Flomie roundtable today. We got Kevin Hargis and Sarah Vandermeer. And uh, we're going to just, we are just going to have a chat. We're going to talk about a bunch of different topics. It's going to be kind of a very loosey goosey discussion, but uh, again, about topics that we've already have been mentioning in the group, but then we're also going to have some, some kind of fun questions too, to get to know each other a little better. Uh, but how are you guys doing? How's everything going? Good. Everything is super busy with the real estate season, but at the mm-hmm. same time, we're also dealing with nonstop rain. So nonstop. So both. So hurry up and wait, right? Yeah, we've had a pretty mild, mild weather here, uh, low, uh, mid, high 60s, low 70s, and just rain sporadically. So we've been doing pretty good with that, but still just slammed with work. So, yeah, so, so that's kind of the good thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm hearing around anyways that most companies right now are pretty busy. And I'm sure that has to do a lot with that housing crunch. That's that's kind of mm-hmm. coming in where with the demand of that, you know, it, it just everyone's kind of already in thinking about their houses and everything. So I think that's been a, a big jump. So that's good. You know, it's good that we're, we're all busy and, and we're hearing some of even the, the new newer companies are finding work. So uh, that's pretty cool. So glad to hear it. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into our discussion here? We'll talk about a few topics here. So just so you know, uh, Kevin and Sarah don't know what these, I've, I've written these questions out. So this is going to be just right off of the top of the head. We're going to see how smart they are and how what what brilliant business minds uh they are and we're going to get some information out so the first one the first question window cleaning versus glass cleaning what is the difference and is it important and kevin is the one actually who wanted to talk about this because i think he's got a bee in his bonnet about it already so uh, why don't we open it up with you kevin what do you think window cleaning versus glass cleaning what's the difference so i see this come up a fair amount in some of the groups where Somebody will ask the question, do you just clean the glass? Do you clean the whole frame? Do you clean the sills, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes it'll get brought up in a discussion of traditional versus waterfed too. And there's always a variety of answers. And it's, I don't want to say that any one of them is wrong because you're going to clean the glass. Yes, it's what people see. Um you want to charge extra for screens and for uh, really dirty sills, frames, et cetera. That's fine. But I think one of the things that I wanted to kind of touch on was what is the customer's perception versus what we are selling. Mm -hmm. So most of us advertise what window cleaning, right? We're a window cleaning business. And this came up the other day and and I gave this analogy If you went to Lowe's and bought a window, you needed to put a new window in your house and you went to Lowe's and bought a quote unquote window. And when they came to give it to you, they gave you two pieces of glass. What would you think? Would you think you just got your window or would you be like, "Um, yeah, that's not a window. That's two pieces of glass. Well, but you bought two pieces of glass. You bought two window, you know, you bought a window. To a customer, the window is just that. It's the whole frame, it's the edges, it's the sill, and it's the glass. So when we're advertising that to customers, to me, if we just come at it with the standpoint that I'm just cleaning what you see through, the customer's perception 
or what the customer thinks they are going to get is different from ours. And again, I'm not saying that you should always clean everything for the same price, but when we have a, uh, an attitude about, well, it's my business, I'll do what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, that can that can be a negative to a lot of customers when if somebody else comes in and says, well, you know, we typically clean everything. Here's our price for it. It's a little bit more expensive or you have some extra dirty sills. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to have to take some more time with it. So it would be a small upcharge. The customer is going to feel better about the service. And I think that's where some of that gets lost in the debate is, well, but we we clean the window we see the window again as that that pane of glass because we're window cleaning. We're, we're talking about that and that's what we're focusing on. Um, but again, in a commercial setting, are you just going to clean the glass and, and leave water and dirt all over the windowsill? Well, you're going to wipe that off. So it's kind of that same thing. And, and again, looking at it more, what's the customer's perception and expectation versus mm-hmm. what is it that we're advertising that we offer and how, does, how can we match that up? Yep. Sarah, what do you think? So I actually think it's a great opportunity to set yourself apart from other companies. Um, we have we use Responsibid, and one of the things I love about Responsibid is it gives people packages, you know, different things that we offer. And so um, there's some things that are included in all the packages, but you're listing them out anyway. So you're seeing, oh, okay, they're cleaning the frames, they're dusting the tracks, they're you know, detailing, they're doing these different things. They're washing the screens. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, people knowing what they're getting really helps because then they're able to ask another company that that they've gotten a quote for, well, does it, does it include these things? Mm -hmm. Um, As far as whether it should or shouldn't, um, I'm of the perspective that if the client looks at it, it should look clean, not just the window itself, but the locks, the trim, the frame itself. Um, you know, the way we train our guys is, you know, the order is first you dust from top to bottom, frames, everything. Then you applicate, then you scrub, then you squeegee, then you detail. Um, you make sure the sills are good. The locks are good. The only thing I would say that uh, our pricing kind of varies on is the level of track cleaning and the level of screen cleaning. So it's not so much whether it's included or not, but but at which level. So we always dust and vacuum tracks, but if you want a detailed track cleaning, we'll Mm -hmm. charge extra for that, meaning Mm -hmm. you're scrubbing it with soap and water, you're getting all the little crevices. And then for screen cleaning, we offer that as an option because we have a lot of houses here where they don't have screens necessarily on their windows, especially these modern houses. They're all like fixed or the screens are on the inside and not on the outside. And they are not really dirty. And they're like, I don't really need that. So we'll dust that for them and put them back in place if they want us to do that. If it's a full wash, then it's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the level of service is going to determine your success. Yeah, absolutely. And I think closely aligned with that is communication and setting expectations. Um, I I think that that just what we talked about, both Kevin and and you, Sarah, like you almost could have just been word for word the the speeches I give to my techs. I mean, just exactly because I'm always saying you need to stop looking at this like a tech. You need to look at it Mm -hmm. like a customer. 
So if you walk up as a customer and you've just paid $400 for some guys to come in and clean your house and you look and there's dirt on the, on the threshold of this door that you clean this beautiful window, but the threshold's dirty, right? Or the frame is all dusty, you know, and it's got all these marks from, from you know, the, the water that you just splashed on and now it's dripped and now you got little dripping marks. You're not looking at the glass. You're looking at the frame. That's what's jumping out at you, you know, or, yeah. or, or my biggest pet peeve is when they clean the frames, I mean, they clean the screens, but they don't wipe the frames really well. So the oh, screen yeah. itself is clean, but then you look down and you see this little bit of, of dirt at the bottom of the frame of the screen. Oh, that, that irks me so much because I'm like, the customer is not going to notice how good you clean that glass. They're not going to look how good you clean the screen. They're going to see that bit of, of dust and, and dirt on the bottom, you know, of that screen. So it's, it's that, I think that's what really sets apart professionals from people who, you know, bucket bobs or people who just starting up, because I remember I used to do that because I was, it took so much energy to, to clean and squeegee properly that once I kind of got that good, that was almost to me, that was like, that was the only thing that was important. And, and really it was me listening to the feedback of my customers that helped me kind of come to my style now because I, they, they vocalized what they were unhappy with, you know? Yeah. You did a good job on the windows, but you left this and this and this, and you said you're a window cleaner. I, this is part of my window. And it just was like, Oh yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, what I find is that is probably the biggest training issue I have with experienced window cleaners. Cause a lot of the ones I hire are coming from a commercial type of business. You know, there's, there's a couple really big companies out here where they just have tons of these commercial accounts. So they're not detailed. Like what you mentioned, Kevin, you said, yeah, you know, if you leave water on the bottom of the frame, what are you going to do? You're going to wipe that. Of course, these guys don't wipe. <laughs> they just splash and dash. And I have to say, you just let, look at that frame you just left. That's going to jump out at a customer's, you know, eyes. Mm-hmm. Just they're, they're going to go right. They're going to zero right in on that because it doesn't look clean. You know, it looks yeah. like you were sloppy. And, and that's really the difference between residential and commercial to begin with. I think mm-hmm. with, with the commercial end for storefronts, you're seeing that storefront every like two weeks, sometimes every week, mm-hmm. the glass is not going to be that dirty to begin with because you're constantly cleaning it. Um, and at the same time, you know, to be competitive with commercial storefront, you have to charge, you can't charge as much as you'd probably like to, mm-hmm. whereas residential, it's like, you know, it's completely different. It's your castle is your home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, I know a lot of people complain about picky customers. And certainly you have that small percentage of customers that are unreasonably picky. Mm-hmm. But I think all in all, that's pretty small. And what I've always said is that I've learned the most from my pickiest customers. Yeah. So I've had some I've had some customers that really pushed hard. And were they could you call them picky? Yes from a certain perspective, but we looked at it more as they were just very demanding Mm -hmm. and it made us step our game up and it made us better at what we did. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that from a standpoint of improvement, Hey, if I got a picky customer, I just need to see what they're, they're focusing on. And maybe that's something that other customers are focusing on Mm -hmm. and uh, that should make us better overall and give us that better service and set us apart from the competition. Again, I think that's also what sets people apart from being professional. 
uh, because a professional is going to be is going to be humble for one for instance to be able to list to take that information in, but is also going to be discerning enough to say, okay, this person is complaining and they're probably not complaining in a way that I really like, but do they have a point? Is is exactly. what they're saying? actually a fact you know should is it is it really within reason for them to have expected me to do this and if it's the answer is yes it doesn't matter if they're being a jerk or it doesn't matter if they're being you know silly or 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 ornery if they have a point then that's something we need to address and if we address it it will actually help our business you know and sometimes humility in business can be very difficult Mm -hmm. um the company that i worked for before i started this one we had, when it sold uh, 2008, we were doing roughly $4 million a year. The new owner came in and he had a completely different perspective. All our, pers- our perspective of everything was customer service based. We even had an email that was customer service at our company name. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that happened was, a, and this goes right to this, point of being humble and, and listening to our customers we had a multi-million dollar account it was it was huge and there was a meeting in which they were extremely unhappy and they were voicing their opinion and they wanted they were basically telling the new owner what they wanted mm-hmm. um, I was somewhat involved but not enough to be able to make decisions at that point because of the sale when I, once it sold I only had uh, you know so much to do with the the going the ownership of the company I guess you say, and this the new owner literally got up in a meeting, and said it's my company and I'll run yeah. it the way I want. Yeah. Now, perspective wise, in total, that customer in three different divisions was doing about one point three million oh. with us a, a year. <laughs> Within the next five years, they had subsequently lost all of it and and it was 100 percent lack of humility and lack of looking at it from the customer standpoint mm-hmm. and we now obviously we're not talking about um most of the time we're, we're not going to be talking about contracts that big but it doesn't really matter what the customer mm-hmm. if, if it's a um customer or if it's a $100 customer to them, they're paying for that service. And if we come in with even the perception of an attitude, well, Mm -hmm. I'm the professional. I know what I'm doing. You don't. Mm -hmm. That can turn them off. And if you lose enough of those, you know, obviously nowadays word gets around pretty quick. So, yeah, I I remember I had a a client, she was a realtor and she walked in or she had me come over because she wanted me to do some hard water stain removal. And uh, she had like this paste. I'm sure it was a type of acid that she had used before. So she's, she hands me this. She says, I want you to use this on these hard water stains. And I said, oh, well, thank you for giving this to me. Actually, I have, some, I have other processes that I prefer to use first before we go to acid. And she was like, no, this works. You are going to use this, you know. And at the time I was like, you know, I have two choices here. I can just say, you know what? I like, that's what you said. I'm the professional. This is how I do it. And we're going to do it this way or I'm going to leave, you know. But what I did was I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, let me try it. Let's try your, your product and we'll see if it works on these windows, you know. And so I tried it. And of course it didn't work. 
you know? And so, but I let it, I let it go. And then, you know, we, we, we looked at it afterwards, I cleaned it and she looked at it and she's like, how come it didn't work? And I said, well, that's because there's a lot of different factors that cause hard water stains. And I happen to know about several of them. And I've got about five different methods that I use to take hard water stains off. I would never have used this acid on this particular hard water stain. So let, why don't I show you some of the other things I have and then we can kind of go from there, you know? Anyways, at the end of it, I won a connection, a connection with this person because now she uses me all the time. But I gave, if I would have reacted poorly with the lack of humility, I probably would have ended that, that relationship and never known mm -hmm. what was going to come after that. But because I was calm, I let her have her say, I, I, I let the, the situation dictate how it was going to play out rather than me trying to dictate it. I won her confidence. Then she kind of was able to acknowledge that I knew more about this particular situation than she did without actually telling her, I know more about this than you do, <laughs> you know, and, right. and, and making and affecting her pride then now all of a sudden now we have a relationship and I've had it for, you know, five years now where she calls mm -hmm. me and refers me to her, her, her clients, you know? So it's just an example of, you know, really again, one communication, right? So making sure we, we acknowledge the expectations uh, of our customers Two, we look at the, at the windows from the customer's viewpoint, not from our viewpoint. And then three, we have humility, you know, and we just make sure that we, uh, uh, do our best to gain what to, to benefit our, our, our uh, company as opposed to try to make other people do what we want. So those are yeah. all good stuff. Anything else to add on that topic before we go to the next one? Um, I think the only thing I would add to that is that it's, while it's important to give very high levels of customer service and set expectations, it's also important to charge for your time accordingly. Yeah. So um, an example, uh, we had been doing this large house off of a golf course for years and the clients, even though we've done a great job every time, they still like to follow us around, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, that's just how they are. Um, and they'll kind of like point out things that are really not anywhere near windows. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, well, what about this trim over here? I'm like, well, that's on a wall with no windows we don't do that and uh they find all these little like kind of extra things and so and then you know they're a little rude to our techs and stuff like that um so we realized we were spending an inordinate amount of time on this house regularly um once the pandemic hit they had stopped service for about a year uh so when they were ready again we said sure but our prices have gone up. And so we had decided at that point, we don't want this client. They're very, very difficult. And uh, we thought, okay, we'll just raise the price like $300 and they're, they're not gonna go with us again, right? And they said, okay. They did. <laughs> and then they said, uh, well, we want you to add lanterns too. And these lanterns are ridiculous. And oh, I was like, you know what? I $50 a lantern. And they said, okay. And then, um, you know, this last time we went out, of course, there was always, there's always a little something. They were happy with the service, but like, why can't you also include this or that? And, and Fabi said to them, you know, it seems like you're not 
too happy with us. We're happy to refer you to someone if you need to, but this is what's included. This is what we've outlined. And uh, after that, they got really quiet and they stopped complaining uh, as much. So while it's important to meet picky customer expectations, don't let yourself get taken advantage of because I feel like in the beginning of our business, we would just say, okay, okay. And we would end up moving furniture for people and like, oh, could you could you also just, you know, do this or do that? And we ended up doing a whole lot of things that were not related to our business that we weren't paid for. Yep. Now we had a customer like that one time, um, it was a janitorial account and there was complaints. I went in and the lady was literally on her hands and knees under a desk looking for dust. And, you know, I just, that was one of those times where we had already done quite a bit and tried to Mm -hmm. make it right. I'm like, Patty, look, if you've got to crawl around on your hands and knees to find a problem, we're not the company for you. And so yeah. we subsequently gave 30 days notice and they begged us to stay. So we did the same thing. We gave them, we tripled the charge. We tripled their monthly bill and they still did it. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't complain after that. So sometimes you have to have a little bit of that balance in there of, we are a professional service and we'll, we certainly take your concerns, but now this is getting into a different realm. Yeah. So what I'll say, um, if I get someone like that, is I'll say, you know, it really sounds like you need a maid service. I really think mm-hmm. you need a maid service. There's maid services that will clean windows. Maybe you should just call a maid service, you know, and uh, um, that kind of gets the point across usually. Or, or the other thing too, I'll say is, you know what you really need to hire? You need to hire a young guy who's just starting out with his own business and you can, he can just kind of do everything that you want and he's not busy with other clients. So he's got the time to spend all day with you and, yep. and he doesn't have the overhead I have. So he's going to give a decent ending. He can just do whatever you want, you know, cause I have other clients I got to go take care of. I can't spend all day here, you know? So maybe we just don't have the right personality, you know, my business personality with yours and you just need to go find someone, you know? So I mean, there's different ways of, of doing that, you know, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about something similar to that. So I don't want to, I don't want to give away the question, but, uh, well, who's that? Is that your, is that your phone? Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. So number... I need to turn off my notification. <laughs> so number two question, how has the value of physical, emotional, and or mental health changed since you started your business? That's a good one. It's a loaded question. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be. <laughs> oh, I can well, I start guess the, I think about it. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Dave. I was just going to say when I started, I was the typical guy and I was just going to run my body into the ground. And because I'm providing for my family and I've, I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm just going to work myself in and do it. Now I, I didn't, you know, the business was part-time and I was doing other, other jobs as well, but I, I kind of just had the attitude of, you know, I'm just going to do this because this is what has to be done. And I'm, I'm the man and I got to provide for my family, you know, yep. now that I'm older and I see what happens when you do that, <laughs> you know, and I'm still in relatively good health. I mean, I, I am, but if I've got ladders or I've got a bunch of pulling that day, I'm feeling it, you know, and I've, I've had to go to emergency because of pain in my neck. Um, you know, my, I, I, I'm constantly having to do stretches and make sure that I, if I don't do that, I'm paying for it the next day, you know? 
So um, physically, from a physical standpoint, that's the major drive for me getting off the glass. And, and I love window cleaning. You know, I love the customer interactions. I love the art of it, you know, and, and putting a product together that, that the customers appreciate and are happy with. But I've just, I'm 46 now and I have real, I've come to that realization that my body is, I've got about maybe three or four more years of at this level and I've got to get the business in line so that I'm not working this much, you know, and I'm not, I'm all, I'm down to about three days right now and I'm wanting to get to two, you know, one or two uh, within the next year and then eventually off totally, you know, but um, the, the re- realization of my mortality has totally changed my view of the business and my goals for the business, you know, than I had before. I don't know how many times I've said that to, well, Celeste, but even other people is the realization of my own mortality now. Um, you know, a lot of times people will kind of get down on you. If, oh, you got to get on ladders. You're not a real window cleaner if you don't get on a ladder. Uh, that's fine. Then I'm not a real window cleaner. You know, um, there's there's just so many things that as you get older, I I can look back on stuff that I did and, and just thought, wow, that was so stupid. But it, it was kind of the same idea, Gabe, that you mm-hmm. had. It was just like, do it. Whatever has to be done, you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the The money, you know, as far as providing for your family, but there was also a thought that, well, the customer comes first mm-hmm. and whatever the customer needs, they, they need to get. And there's a time that you also have, you kind of get to in business where you can look back and go, I want to provide service for the customer, but there's also times that I need to make sure they understand limits. Mm-hmm. If, if I've got a customer that's texting me on Sunday afternoon um, for no good reason. They just have something that they need done the, the following week. Hey, come on, man. It's got to wait till Monday, you know? And, and there's times where you've just got to really kind of sit back and, and look at what's, what's the most important thing. Yeah. I do have to make money, but not spending time on the weekend with the family and not doing things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, just increases stress, which increases problems. I was at uh, Menards this afternoon looking for a fitting for finishing the power washing trailer. And I was, I got so frustrated because I couldn't kind of find one to look for. And it's like, oh yeah, I've been doing this too long. I, I need to, <laughs> I need to take a break. And if you're I'll having a, something, if you're out. having a mental breakdown in the middle of Menards, you're, you're, uh, you're doing it too much, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it's, but I think we, as we get older, we have more of those epiphanies, I'll call them that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something's got to change. I can't, I can't have that because before I would just get mad and then mad er and more and more mad. And at the end of the day, I would have finished the project. I would probably have had a few broken tools, mm-hmm. a couple other things thrown about the garage or whatever, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like, okay, it's not that important. Let's just stop and let's move on. Yeah. So, um, I think for me, the same themes keep coming up in our business and in our life. One of those is work smarter, not harder. 
Um, and then also revisiting as much as we can our whys. Why did we start this business? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for us before, Feba was working two jobs. I was working a job and going to school full time with three kids, you know, and I mean, there would be days where he'd go from one job and then go to an evening job and he wouldn't see us for days. Um, It was really hard on the kids, on me. Um, And so a big part of the reason why we started this business was to spend more time with each other and with our children. And so I think in the beginning, it, it worked great because all of a sudden we had our evenings off. We had our weekends off. We could dictate our hours a little bit more. And then as we grew, we started to hire people and um, somehow hiring people, you start to work more initially before you work less. Yeah. I have a theory. Um, I'll I'll talk about it afterwards. Yeah. And um, one of the things we've been, you know, the candle's been burning at both ends lately. Uh, we've just got a lot going on in our lives. And so I told Feber the other day, you know, cause we, we can't work our way out of this situation. That's just not how it's going to happen. So I put my foot down and I said, there are days you're not going to work. The guys will do it without you. He's like, but what about this? Or what about that? And I said, too bad. And there are, are other times where, you know, people are trying to desperately get on a schedule. He's like, well, I'll just go ahead and do it. I said, nope, that's your day off. He's like, but what about this client? I said, they're going to have to wait. Mm-hmm. If they like us, they'll, they'll keep using us. If they really need to go with someone else, they'll go with someone else. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time they say, okay, I'll wait a month. Mm-hmm. You know, they're willing to do that, to stay with us because they like who we are. And um, ultimately... I think it's really important to realize that, you know, the difference between a business and a job. Yes. For a lot of people in this industry, they've built themselves a job. Yes. And um, that's not what business is supposed to be. So our ultimate goal is to get both of ourselves out of the field and uh, grow crews and have an operations manager and maybe even a sales team and be able to dictate our schedule a little bit more and decide what we're going to do, you know? Um, So I think for your mental health, it's really important to, to think with, with that goal in mind, because if you don't, you're going to burn out. Yes. And there's, there's no way around that. And physically it's really hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. I remember uh, maybe two or three years into our business, I fell off a ladder and um, it was just a really, really, really long day. I wasn't being as careful as I should have been. Um, I was losing my vision halfway through every day after the fall. I had to go through a lot of uh, chiropractic care. I That night, I didn't even go to the hospital or anything. We had some issue with the family, with the, one of the kids. And we thought they had appendicitis or something. And so I just limped myself with my child to the emergency room to get them handled, covered in bruises, barely able to move. It did not matter. And I, I just didn't stop to take care of myself. And I think that because we all do that as business owners, we just think I'll just push a little harder. You know, 
ultimately we're giving up the things that we are doing this for, like our families, our spouses. We got to put those mm-hmm. priorities first and ourselves first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I loved what you just said right now about, um, you know, what, what is our why, right? Because I know my why to start was freedom. And it was to have freedom to do things that we wanted. And yet what happens is you get in stuck, like you say, with that mentality of, oh, I've got to take care of every single customer. And, and it's, it's funny you say that because we, I, we just, I, we learned a lot in this during this pandemic. And we especially learned a lot. Um, our January and February was very slow. So because I wanted to keep my guys working, I gave them all the work. So my January and February, I, I worked maybe like three days in that month, like in the field. And it taught me that I could trust the crew, you know, I could trust them to do it. And, and it, part of it is because I have a great crew right now. I, I haven't always had good crews. You know, I haven't had, always had people I could depend on, but um, you know, we ran three crews in a day and I just maintained it, you know? And, and um, so now we're getting busy again and we're getting to those, that trap, right. Where you're just like, Oh, well, um, maybe, you know, I'll just have the cruise out and I'll just go out and do this by myself. And, and we did the same thing. So Wednesdays, that is family day. There's no, there's no fitting in people on Wednesdays. That is I'm home. That's for the family. And that's it too bad. If someone can't, you know, if someone needs to get in the week and they, they don't have any spots, I'm not working on that day, but that's, you know, it was, it's buying back that freedom, right? That's the whole reason we started the business was so that I wouldn't be over killing, you know, killing myself. I wouldn't be working so much that. I'm, I'm taking time away. So why am I letting my dedication to customers take me away from the things that the reasons that I started in the first place, you know? So you have to reclaim that, that back. You have to reclaim that, right? Cause you are the business owner, you are in charge and you know what? You don't have to clean every single window in the town. You don't have to, mm-hmm. to keep every single customer. You do have a family that you've got to you've got to take care of, you know, and you've got to be there for them. And, and same thing, mental, physical health, emotional health, you've got to make sure that's taken care of. Because what good is it to break records if at the end of it you're you're toast, you're tired, you're exhausted, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, it's not it's not worth the cost. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and you have the, and that's the thing is I keep reminding myself I have the control, <laughs> I'm the boss. I can, I can cut this off if I want all I'm chasing is money. And if, if I'm making enough, then why chase it? Because that's the mentality we have, right? Yes. That's a hard one. When there's money there that you, you, it's hard to pass it up Mm -hmm. no matter what the cost to you personally is. Mm -hmm. You you see the dollar signs and you're like, okay, I can't, I can't let that go. Then they're going to call somebody else. Then, you know, so Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a tough one. Uh, and I still struggle with that one. Mm-hmm. At the uh, first huge convention that I went to, I went to a talk uh, that was given by AC Lockyer, you know, soft wash guy. His, his talks have changed a little bit from convention to convention. But at that one, a lot of what he said really resonated with me. He said a couple of things. One of the things he said is that when he was starting his business, like, he basically, anytime they were booked out two weeks, he just added another truck, another truck, another truck. He just, it was just nose to the grinder, just no matter what. And he grew this multi-million dollar business, you know, like 40 million, I think he said. Um, 
but he said he wasn't the best husband is that he wished he could have been things, you know, with his marriage did not work out. Mm-hmm. And he said, could I have maybe been a $12 million business and been happy with my wife? And uh, he says, you've got to do it with, with your end goal in mind. Mm-hmm. Do you need to be bigger, mm-hmm. giant, you know, like at what cost? Mm-hmm. So that was huge to me because, you know, to me, he's like one of the most successful people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing he said that really resonated was that set, as business owners, we're always going to give a hundred percent, right? Our employees, this is not their baby. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a job. And you're going to be lucky to get 70 to 80% out of them. That's the most they're going to give because they don't have as much stake in it as you do. And that's just, you're you're going to have to live with that. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be okay with that. That's why you need systems. That's why you need good training, but do not expect your guys to be as good as you are and be willing to step back and let them take over as needed. Good. Yeah, that's really good. Just real quick before we go on to the next one here, I wanted to talk, touch just a little bit about what you mentioned about the the hiring, you know, and, and cause there there's, I, I would call it busting through the walls and, and I went through it because when I started, I always stayed small. I always, you know, I started in 2000 until about 2012, 2013, I was, I was the same. Now I started growing just naturally. I never advertised. I never did anything. It was all word of mouth. It was all referrals from customers who are happy with me. And, you know, when you do do good work, you just will naturally grow without anything, you know, it, it will just grow. And so I started getting too much work, you know, I couldn't handle it myself. And so I started hiring. So I hired a couple guys. One was, was okay. He didn't work out great, but the next one was pretty good. He was experienced, you know, but it was like, I finished the year and the business did better, but I made less and it freaked me out, you know? And I was like, what's going on? I'm working harder <laughs> and I made less money my, for myself. And I was like, forget it. So I let him go, you know, I didn't let him go, but when the time was right and he wanted to leave, I just didn't hire. So I went back to, to being a single owner. But then again, it started growing. And, and so what I kind of learned was, there's, there is a, a busting through the wall time where you have to kind of push yourself through that. And I don't mean push yourself by like overworking yourself and killing yourself, but it's like you have to endure a time with your business where you are going to be less profitable yeah. to get to the time where you now become profitable again. But if you can bust through that wall, the profitability is exponential. You know, when it's you, when it's you, just you yourself, it's the, the profitability is always linear. It's always going to be linear. You have more work, you get more money and it's Mm going to be, it's going to be on this chart that goes up this way. But when you have employees and you get busy, now it's exponential. And now you can go from, you know, a a crew that's making 70 bucks an hour to a crew that's making $300 an hour, you know? And, and, and now the, the profits go up. So now there's that. And then every, like there's different sections within your business where you have to, you kind of realize, okay, if I, first of all, is it worth getting to the other side or am I happy where I'm at? Cause if it's not, if I'm happy where I'm at, there's really no use going through the hassle. But if I'm at the spot where no, you know what? 
I need to get to this other side, then I have to acknowledge that there's going to be a period, probably a year where I'm going to be less profitable than the one I was. But the goal is to get to the other side. So now the profitability is going to be uh, exponential, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the reason why I went to the next side was because of that realization we talked in the first question was that, you know what, if I'm going to support my family with a business that I'm not working in, I need to have X number of, of crews running, you know, and, and so to get there, that means I'm going to have to bust through a wall and I'm going to have to go through a year, which ended up being about a year and a half of not being profit as profitable as I was the year before. And now I'm at the spot where I've got three to four crews a day. I'm on, on, I'm on, I'm, like I said, about three, three days a week. And I'm want to get to where I'm either one, you know, two, one, and then zero, and then I'm off the glass. And, um, you know, it's working. I mean, I did go through a period, but now I'm at the, I'm at the time where it's the sweet spot where now they're, they're at the max profitability I'm going to have at this level. And then I'm going to have to re-ask, ask myself again, do I really want to go to the next one? Which I, Right now, my feeling is no. I'm kind of happy with where we're at now um, and just maintaining this. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, things change, right? You know, life changes. Family needs change. It may, I may need to bust through again. But for right now, I'm, I finally, the work that I put into it kind of went, got me here. And now I'm kind of reaping that benefits of busting through that wall, you know. Yeah. So it's just kind of a, a lesson I, I had to learn the hard way because the first time I did, I, I retreated. <laughs> I went back. I'm like, wow, what am I doing? You know, um, but uh, now it's now it seems like it's worth it. But um, OK, I think there's oh, good. Sorry. There is always something uh, so sweet about sending somebody out and you being at home and knowing that you made money not being there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's something a little magical about that. Yeah. On the other yeah. hand, there's also nothing worse than having clients call you and say, so-and-so didn't do this or why didn't this happen? But, and um, it's, it's kind of like this weird catch 22. I feel like the most difficult thing I've ever encountered in business has been employees. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, um, you know, we're planning on doing a road trip this summer and taking off for a week and doing that. And normally we would not, you know, like before employees, that would have meant that we just didn't have income for a week. Yeah. And now we have income for a week and we can go on vacation. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. When, when we used to take vacations, we would not only have to save up the money for the vacation, we'd have to save up money for that week. Exactly, and, and, and now we can go on vacation and the business does not miss a beat. You know, we've got good people in place, both in the office and also there. And we're like, okay, we're going to be gone for a week. Don't contact us unless something's on fire, you know? Yep. <laughs> and, and, and it, we've done that a few times, you know, our first time, I remember we went to the East coast. We went to, um, uh, to go visit my wife's family in uh, Massachusetts. And I was freaked out because this was the first time I was leaving my business in the hands. At that time, I think I had one crew. So I had two guys and they were going to run the business. And they, it went without a hitch. We, you know, we made the money. I mean, the business made money. Uh, we just, you know, we we're just down me, myself at the time. But that was like what opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, this is what could be. You know, it was kind of the first taste of, this business could function without me in, in the field, you know, and do all right. But, you know, like what you were saying earlier, uh, Sarah, about the whole, you know, this is not their baby. So we, we can only really expect 80%. 
um, I've adopted that so much with my view of the business because yeah, I mean, I, I hardly got callbacks when I was in the field. I hardly got any type of complaints, but that's because I knew what my detail was, you know, now. And, and, and I had the same attitude. I was like, kind of get freaked out when I get the guy, like an upset stomach, like, Oh no, they're complaining about my, my workers. And, Oh, you know, I got to the point that it doesn't bother me anymore because I understand as long as it's within that 20%, you know, as long as yeah. it's within, as long as the majority of our customers are happy, I can accept those few that are, Hey, they didn't wash the screens this time. Or, 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 I mean, we just did that. We just went to a job where there was, there was um, security screens and the techs for whatever, you know, their thinking was, they didn't view them as screens, So they didn't clean them. And I had to give the speech that we talked about earlier is like, if you're the customer and you see the, what would you think you did the job? <laughs> no, of course not. Cause there's, there's screens. Yeah. They're not the normal screens that we clean, but they're still screen, you know, so I had to do that. But yep. When we went back and cleaned it, we made good with the customer. We, you know, they appreciated us not giving them a hard time about it, you know, that we believed them. And we, we immediately, we went back the very next week. They were happy. They said, we're going to call us back. So it's like, I've learned to kind of roll with those things and that that's the cost of being home. That's the yeah. cost of my freedom from being out of the field is that there's going to be more complaints than I'm used to. But as long as it's within this threshold, I'm okay with it. And as long as we can make good, you know, win the customer back for the majority of those times. But even those ones we lose, well, okay, it's either that or I work all the time. What's what's the choice? You know? And the thing is, is like I know of companies that are not great companies in our area and they're busy. Yes. Like we win business from them all the time because mm -hmm. people are like, oh, they were awful, whatever. But yeah. they're still busy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So even if you get a complaint here or there, it's more, how did you address it? Did you offer good customer service? Mm -hmm. Did, did you fix it? And that goes a long way. Yeah. I, I tell my customers all the time. I say, you know what? We are not a perfect company, but we will make it right. If you give mm -hmm. us the opportunity, we will make it, we will make sure you get the product that you paid for, you know? And, yep. and that usually kind of calms them down. Cause I'm not coming at them with like, Oh, wow. You know, blah, blah, blah. And this and that, and, you know, trying to, trying to get away with something because that's what they're expecting us to try it. Cause we don't want to, we don't want to do any more work than we have to. And when you come at them like, Hey, you know what? We, we messed up, but you know, sorry about that, but we're not perfect, but we will make it right. When can we get back out there and, and, and give you the job that you paid for? You know? And that goes back to that humility that's, that's needed in business to be able to make that, make the customer feel good. That's, that's a tough one when they, especially if you were the one doing the work. Yeah. But even if you're the one that just, you know, it's your company, it's your name, mm -hmm. not feeling attacked mm -hmm. can be very difficult. Yeah, true. Very true. Okay, let's get going here because we're going to run out of time on these. So, so here's the third one. What is the most effective form of marketing for your business? Hands down next door. Next door, um, your next door person. So please tell me about that because I have not figured out the magic of next door. I asked them to recommend me and I still, I'll get them once in a while, but I have not found it effective at all for, for my business. So um, I don't know if maybe it's not as popular in your area. I, every no, area it's popular. It's popular. I, I, I get it. I mean, once in a while I'll get the, the recommendations. I just haven't, I haven't figured out how to use it. Like, I don't know. I feel so out of control with next door. Like it's just, if it happens, it happens. It's this magical thing, but I don't know how I can utilize it. Right. You know? um, so one of the things we do, of course, is we ask 
we send out a little survey to our clients as soon as we're done with service. Were you happy? If you were happy, click here. If you weren't, click there. Kind of like nice jobs, but we just do it through response a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're happy, we ask them to give us a review on the store or whatever. Um, usually every time someone posts about us on next door, we end up with, you know, anywhere between three to five people calling us for every time, which is a lot um, because people like, know, and trust their neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. So that immediately goes on to you. Uh, the way that I try to do it from my end, because you can, there is some paid advertising on there, but what I like to do on my end is I join my local uh, Nextdoor app and I will just start commenting on different things. You know, people are saying, oh, does anyone know a good person for this or this or that? I just joined an organization group and I'm sharing a bunch of little tidbits on like, oh, look what I can do, you know, <laughs> isn't this fun? It gives people a chance to get to know you, but then uh, it also gives you a chance to let your business shine. So for instance, somebody over the uh, recent snowstorm we had in February, I'm in Texas. So, you know, that was, it was crazy. We almost had the grid shut down and everything. Mm -hmm. Somebody was posting these uh, poor construction workers who were working out in, you know, these awful temperatures and in the middle of the snowstorm and uh, people felt really bad about it. And I said, and then someone commented something to the effect of, oh, well, at least, at least they're getting money for work, right? Or at least, at least they're getting paid. And so my reply to that was, well, while they are getting paid, there's other ways. As, a, as for us as employers, we canceled work for the week and we let all of our employees work for home that week. We did online trainings. We had uh, phone meetings. We did everything we could to try to give them the hours they need, even though we had no income coming in. Because ultimately your employees are your greatest asset. And we as employers have the obligation to care for them, to do right by them and to keep them safe. And if I'm not willing to drive through a snowstorm to go to someone's house, I'm certainly not going to ask my employee to do that. That response, tons of people liked it. They were like, oh my gosh, I want to use you. That's so great. Because it let me say a little bit of something about our business without trying to like sell ourselves or be too spammy, you know? Mm -hmm. And so those sort of things really do help. And it really does help the word of mouth through next door. That's we spread like wildfire through Dallas once we uh, kind of got the hang of it. But now you're only able to comment within your own neighborhood, right? Um, now they have it so that your comment is seen depending on the post by up to, uh, you know, like 30 surrounding neighborhoods. Oh, okay. They've just expanded that area over time mm-hmm. as to who can see what comments. I think they figured out that they weren't getting enough comments from just one little neighborhood. And so uh, the neat thing is, is that if I have someone from one neighborhood give me a good review, the surrounding neighborhoods are seeing that. Then someone from the surrounding neighborhoods uses us and they comment something and then it just kind of skips, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually more and more people can see us and, and they see our reputation. So I guess the, the the problem I have is that my neighborhoods and anywhere near my neighbors are not my where my clientele are. Yeah, that's I, I don't. The same I don't. Thing with us. 
leukemia? Um, I would then definitely look at having a customer advocate because not all of our, not all of the neighborhoods are surrounding the one we belong to. Like the one I've got two next door logins. One was for our old neighborhood, which is just where a lot of our clients used to be or are currently are. And then our new neighborhood too. Um, but there's a lot of areas that are really far away from us that we just don't, you know, we're not a part of that. But what we do is we find those clients. You always have those clients who want to go to bat for you. Like mm-hmm. they want to see you succeed. They are mm-hmm. your cheerleaders. Use those clients and say, Hey, I would really love it if I could grow my presence on next door a little bit. Would you be willing to, you know, post a little something or whatever? We started doing that with uh, some of the outlying neighborhoods that we don't have any access to. And then those same clients will screenshot stuff that other people have said about us and send it to us, which has been really cool too. Hmm. Only good things so far. So Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. That's good. That's good info. I'm going to, we really got to look, make, put some more effort into it because like I said, we do get some really good referrals from it, you know, and it'll be like in, in spurts. So I know somebody posted in there and then all of a sudden we'll get like three or four calls and they're like, Oh, someone talked about you on, on next door. But it's like, I have no, I don't know who it is. I don't know what, you know, what caused it. And it's just, I wish I had better control over that. I gotta, I gotta, right. yeah. you know, I will say we do ask every client how they heard about us. And so we, we can see the percentage and we can also see the close rates based mm-hmm. on, you know, where that lead came from. And the oh, next yeah. door close yeah. rates are infinitely higher. Oh yeah. We, we have a, we have a hundred percent close rate on, on nice job. I mean, I'm on next door, but it's just, I don't, I don't know how to get them. <laughs> you know? It's just, I have to just rely, but I, we, but we do not specifically ask for that. So that's probably one area that we could, you know, is just specifically request that. I just, um, yeah, anyways, that's, that's really good info though. I'm going to have to follow up. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you, Kev? Ours is still word of mouth. Um, we are expanding a little bit now because I, I know that where we want to go, we're going to need something else. I'm not exactly sure what that will be. Um, so we're, we're doing some other things now that are going to kind of set us up and, and look at some Google stuff and Facebook, Instagram. Um, my Taylor's act, my daughter Taylor's actually been working on Instagram. We boosted a, a post this week. So we're going to see where that goes, uh, again, kind of more as a test, but right now it's still word of mouth and, and, everybody just kind of tells the people that we want to do business with and people that we've done business with in the past, they're, they're actually leaving companies and and somebody will call them and say, Hey, I know you don't work here anymore, but I'm lost. I don't know who to use for this. And we're like, we'll call this guy. So that's been great for us. And, but that's not always sustainable. Now I, I did have somebody was, I can't remember what they were selling. I think it was, um, um, review uh, requests it's basically to after you're done cleaning mm-hmm. um, to request a, uh, a review on Google and that's all it was mm-hmm. and it just wasn't a good fit and and right he asked me because um, he was a little bit upset with me that 
that I, he wasn't getting through, I guess. And he said, you know, asked, well, what's our number one way of getting customers? And I said, well, word of mouth referrals. And he said, well, that's not a sustainable way to grow a business. <laughs> now that I'm like, okay, well, I guess last year's didn't suck for no reason, but good luck with, <laughs> good luck with that. You know, um, kind of goes back to what we were talking about when a customer says, here, I want you to use this. You know, yeah, your yeah. response can be, um, so yeah, but we've, we are doing more with Instagram, with Facebook. Um, and I think that would be the, the best way for us to kind of look at going in the future is, is mm-hmm. social media and, and obviously Google's going to always yeah. be a big thing, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. So our, oh, ours, we, oh, good. Good. We do have one thing that we're going to be trying. Uh, so one of the things we noticed is, you know, as soon as we move to our new neighborhood, uh, people type in window cleaning near me, right? So if you're nearby, you're going to pop up. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, we move from one area to another. We have more business in this area. We still have a lot in our other area because we built we built up our reputation and stuff there. But we realized that where you are on Google really makes a difference. So uh, we have gotten a PO box, but it's not listed as a PO box. It's listed as a street address because you can pay for that with, um, I think it's CPS. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that expensive. Um, They have, you know, a small mailbox and a large mailbox. So ours is like 67113 Luther Lane, Dallas, (laughs) Texas, 75, but it's in the heart of where we want to be. Right. That's really smart. So we're about to launch that. We just got that. And you can have more than one location on Google uh, because a lot of businesses do have more than one location. So now it's going to look like we have more than one location. And so when people in that area type in window cleaner near me, we're going to start popping up more. I love that idea. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. You're going to have to let us know how that works. Yes, I'm really excited. I'm hoping that if it does work as well as I think it will, then we're going to start doing that in all of our hotspot areas. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. That's totally worth the money, right? I mean, yeah, it's not that expensive. I think it was like like thirty dollars a month or something. So, for I think that's that's like nothing if you're bringing in a bunch of business for the areas you want to be in. Yeah, absolutely, totally. Very cool. All right. I like that. Um, so for me, it's always been Google. It's always been reviews. Um, I, I've paid for different things. You know, we've tried different things. Um, but with nice job, uh, the combination of that and response bid, um, you know, we, we have about 140 more reviews than the next guy. And so the algorithm is we just dominate the algorithm. So pretty much anyone who searches window cleaning will at least see our name. We will always pop up right. in the search even if that's not who they're looking for. And um, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much, I mean, we, we I, if probably every third or fourth call, they say, we're not, we don't worry. We don't care about the price. We just saw your reviews. That's you. We want you just come and do the job and then tell us how much it costs, you know? So um, that's been our primary source of new customers, you know, of course, referrals. It's funny. I had a breakdown because I had a discussion in one of the pro window cleaning group about, someone saying referrals are better than reviews. You know, everyone's talking about reviews, reviews are worthless, you know? And, and I'm like, well, it's, it's both. <laughs> you get reviews and you get referrals that why are you picking one or the other? There's, they're not inclusive of each other. You know? <laughs> yeah. Get both. 
get get reviews and get get um, referrals. You know, and I looked at my my, my response to bid breakdown because you know we have it tracking of who where we get what, and and sure enough, I mean it's like uh, um, I forget it's like thirty six percent are Google, you know, from from reviews. And then 25% is from referrals. And then everything else is just kind of mixed in with the, with the others, you know. But those are my two major ways of getting business, you know. Um, Let me ask you, for your nice jobs, do you just do their uh, review part? Or do you also have your website through them and the SEO through them? We do the website. We do both. And it, okay. it's, it's, made the big, it's made a big difference um, because it works together, you know. Um, and... and it, yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of hard because these were just decisions we made. I mean, it, it's like none of my talent, right? <laughs> it's not my design. It's not my my platform. It's not my strategy. It was just someone told about them. We, tr- we tried them out and it just runs. It's just so automatic, you know? The only thing that we do do with Nice Job is instead of just automatically sending the reviews to everybody, we manually do that. So I have a, I have a social media media manager who helps me with my Instagram posts and Facebook posts and stuff. So her, one of her jobs is at the, every Friday, she goes through the, the list of people who we want to call and, or, or we want to send messages to requesting because, you know, there's going to be some that something bad happened and we really don't want to send a request to them because we've already deal, dealt with them and we don't want to right. remind them that they can leave a bad review, you know, something like that. So we manually send out reviews to customers or review requests, I should say to customers. So that's the one thing that we do kind of on our own, but everything else is just automatic. I mean, it's just, now it's just how we do, we do business, you know. Do you list for the request for the review? Do you do, are you listing like Google and Yelp? Cause I found that mm-hmm. what I found out with Yelp is that, uh, cause we have, we have like almost a hundred five-star reviews on Yelp, but only like 20 of them show right. up yeah. because if you send a link to your client, they don't count it. Yeah. Because they want it to be organic. Yeah. It's like, if they didn't want to write you a good review, they wouldn't. (laughs) Right. And and the way we do it is because I guess it keeps track of what they've, what they've done in the campaign. So we, we always, Google's always first. So if they haven't left a Google review for us, that's the first thing it'll, it'll offer. If they have done a Google review and then they're using us like a second time, it will send a request for Facebook. That's the second one that we like. If they've done both, the next time it is for Yelp. And those are kind of the three that we have it set up to, to offer, but they do have a choice because some don't want to leave it for Google. They want they have a, their own preference. Like if, especially if they're Yelpers, you know, um, it's a lot of them, they want to just, they just only do reviews on Yelp. Uh, but you know, what's funny is we've gotten several reviews for the, from the BBB lately. And I don't know what's really? up. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I went months, you know, even, once a one a year, you know, we might get a review. And in the last three months, we've got three reviews on the BBB. Um, I don't know what the deal is with that. It's just kind of. Are you a BBB blue. member? Mm-hmm. We are a BBB member, and we're not asking for them. <laughs> you know, we don't have any requests for them. It's just all of a sudden, out of the blue, I've started getting these. So they must have some promotion or something. You know, like leave mm-hmm. a review, and maybe you'll get some benefit or something. I, I don't know. I really don't. But. Do you feel like the BBB has really helped your business, like being a member? Um, here's my here's my philosophy with the BBB. I don't tr- I don't rely on it. In other words, I don't like I'm not paying for it because I'm thinking, oh, this is a great value and it's going to help my my um, customer base. 
it's more, it's just another uh, accreditation. You know, it's just something that we can say this company has researched us and they've shown that we are upstanding business people, <laughs> you know, and then we can put the A plus on our website. We can put the A plus on our trucks and, and say the BBB approved us, you know, it's all it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's like 35 bucks a month. I mean, it's like nothing. And, and, but you know, one thing that I, I did use at the beginning quite a bit is they had a lot of business courses for, for new business owners, like how to use QuickBooks, social media, you know, marketing and, and in and out. I mean, that's how I learned how to advertise on Facebook was through the BBB and it's all free courses. So there's a ton of courses if you want to kind of investigate and take, you know, um, on marketing, on running business, on insurance, on, um, I mean, just a number of stuff that, you know, are kind of, oh, and then also they have networking once a month. Of course it stopped with COVID, but I used to go to quite a few, maybe three or four a year where they have like at top golf, they'll just throw an event and you can show up with your member, you get golf for free, get food for free, and then you get to network. And um, I, I took advantage of a few of those. That was kind of interesting, you know? So it's just kind of free networking if you're a member. But, but I mainly do it just because it adds another little thing I can add to my website of that I'm of, you know, a checked, <laughs> uh, checked over business and, and I'm, I'm legit, you know? Yep. Oh, one other thing that they do offer, I've not taken advantage of it, but I know it's there, is they do offer free um, business mediation. So they will act as a third party if you're having a dispute with a customer and you don't want it to go to court you can both sign an agreement saying that they will be, they will mediate your dispute and that you have to agree to follow through with whatever the mediator decides is fair. So that's like an, a non-legal way to make, you know, come to an agreement. If you have a, a customer who, uh, you know, you guys, you just can't, you know, um, agree on how to handle it, but you don't want to go to court that that's available. They have free mediation there. So I've never had to use it, thankfully, but I know it's there to hopefully stop um, if it gets further, you know, if I don't want to have to go to court for it and file a lawsuit or, or get a lawsuit against me, that's something I can at least offer the client. Hey, you know what? I'm a BBB member. You know, we're, we can't see eye to eye here. Would you be willing to go to a, a mediation through the BBB? It's totally, you know, they're a neutral party and they're, you know, that way we can kind of solve this and you know, it's there. So just kind of little things like that, you know, stuff that may, you may never use, but it's nice to know that you have it there. You know? Yeah. So, okay. One more of these ones, uh, we'll have to leave some on the table because we're running out of time, but that's what happens when we get together. We just love talking about stuff. <laughs> I really want to get to the fun questions. So um, the last one is what are your plans when you guys can't physically do the work anymore? I am well, going to live off Celeste. <laughs> <laughs> See, not all of us are married she's, to bi she's brilliant at business me in people. the background right now. <laughs> uh -uh. Uh -uh. I thought I thought you were gonna say, I thought you were gonna say you were gonna become an arm model, Kev. I thought that's what your future was. <laughs> no, no, I, I, uh, there's for us, there's, I guess there's always an iron in the fire. Um, currently we have between myself and Celeste, we have about three, um, that really aren't window cleaning related and they're going to, uh, kind of be other ventures that we're going to kind of get into and 
see where that goes, where mm -hmm. it would be less physical work. Mm -hmm. um, we did, we did really good last year, even with the pandemic. So we don't want to just like, Oh, Hey, we made good money. So let's go out and spend it on whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, how can we use that money uh, to kind of grow our future a little bit? So that's kind of where we're looking at is um, yeah, I want to, we did hire somebody else. Um, I want to get off doing work kind of like with you, you know, maybe two, three days a week doing some of the bigger stuff, the more technical things, but not having to be tried tied to the vehicle every day and then let that, that kind of work, but then also have some other things so that no matter what, you know, if window cleaning drops a little bit or carpet cleaning declines, we've always, we've got some other things going on. So awesome. diversifying, I guess, diversifying. and that's always, yeah. that's and that's nice. always been what I've kind of built my business around is diversity. So there's, when one's not doing well, the, the other one can pick up and kind of take that slack and have more options out there. So mm -hmm. what about you, Sarah? Um, well, I guess as far as diversification goes at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we definitely had a drop and then we were able to kind of recover from it. Um, but I think it's because we're like 90% residential. And so we know other clean window cleaning businesses in our area that are like 99% commercial mm -hmm. and they, I mean, every, almost all their accounts canceled. I know like we have four big accounts that are commercial because aside from that, we really don't do much else commercial wise and three of them just suspended their service mm -hmm. because uh, people were working from home. If they were going to cut somewhere that that's where the, the extra fat was. Mm -hmm. And it made us realize, you know, if this had been a different type of pandemic uh, or a different type of event, it could have been the residential side that was more affected and that we needed to diversify for that. So um, I won't go into too much details on it because it's not ready yet, but we're starting a software company and that software is already uh, halfway developed. Uh, working with the team out of Australia. So it's really exciting. It's not window cleaning related. Uh, uh, it's kind of uh, industry adjacent related, I mm -hmm. guess. But again, once it's ready, I'll totally tell you all about it. All right. Um, so I'm hoping that that goes well. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, our biggest thing is just scaling. The business is there, the demand is there. So we just need to hire and train, hire and train until we can get uh, yeah. both and I completely out of the field altogether. Yeah. Um, and then once we get the business to a certain point, we, I don't know, we might sell it or we might just continue to let it sustain as it is. We're not quite sure yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I would love to be able to retire early mm -hmm. if possible. So another thing we'll probably be doing is maybe investing in nfts or i don't know something yeah well my my plan is to work for sarah and feba's software company so that's where i'm going to start turning my app just let me know when an application can can be turned in i got my resume ready so um i don't have okay. any experience but i'm hoping that you'll hire on character so i can go in in there and <laughs> but i i like i said and i've mentioned it several times in the group i my goal is to get off the glass. I want the business to run without me. I want to be able to manage it um, with the goal of eventually either selling it when I don't, I don't have any more interest into it 
or it just, it just providing for us, you know, and, uh, um, you know, who knows if, if things go on and maybe my daughter will, will want to run it, you know, maybe she'll, she'll be interested in that and we can turn it over to her. But, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of neat. I, it, it's not, was not planned. I mean, when I started the business, it was totally a side thing. It was going to be temporary. I was not going to be a window cleaner my whole life. And yet it just seems like it has fit the niche for so many different parts of my life, you know, from changing from, uh, um, you know, just goals that we've had to things that we've done to then being parents and then what kind of parents we want to be, you know, and, uh, you know, I've always told myself when I started the business, I said, I don't ever want to be so attached to this business that I could not sell it. I want to always be where I am a window cleaner, but I am not a window cleaner. And that's all I can be. You know, I don't want my Mm -hmm. identity to be tied up in the, in the business where I can't be happy unless I'm doing this or running this. And I've always had that. And and every two to three months, I ask myself that, Hey, so where are you at now? Are you able to get rid of this business? You know, are you willing to sell this business? If, if the right guy comes over and says, here's 6,000, here's $6 million, boom, get out of here, you know? And uh, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, I could, you know, if, if the right situation came along, I could. So with that mentality, I'm still here, you know, <laughs> I'm still running it. And now with ITF, um, I have more of a connection to the window cleaning community than I ever have, you know. So it's like, it just seems like we're continue be going in this direction. And if I can still be involved in the industry, but just not in the hard part of it, you know, the physical yep. part of it, then I, it just may take us into, you know, the twilight years, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, that's kind of my plan. But I, I'm not opposed to selling it. And we actually looked into um, a friend of mine that I used to work for has a grease trap cleaning company. And it's probably just about as profitable as mine, but way less gears. You know, only just a few employees. Hardly, I think there's like four competitors in town. You know, they're grease traps. I mean, you either clean them or you don't. <laughs> and and they have to be done. Restaurants absolutely need it. It's like there's no choice. You know, you can't you can't not clean grease traps. And there's only a few people in town. You know, and I I really was we were considering, and we still kind of are. Um, although situations are kind of changing a little bit and I don't know that it's going to be worth the, the hassle of it, but you know, that's kind of what we're, we, if we do anything, if we do sell the business and we start something else, it'd have to be something that was less involved than what I'm doing now. Yeah. Something that is, is less, you know, takes less of my time, takes less of the headaches, office work, administrative, you know, that type of, cause I mean, I'm at, I'm at 13 employees right now, you know, wow. including my wife and I. And I'd love to get that down to, you know, three or four and still make the same amount of money as what I'm making, you know, so, but yeah, you know, it is, it is a means to an end uh, until it's not. So, all right. Okay. So now the fun questions. Okay. And you have to answer if you've done it. Although I was really hoping Feba would be here for this one. And I was really hoping Nanda would be here for this one. Have you ever, this is the, this is the, have you ever game. Okay. So you have to say if you've done it. Have you ever clogged up a customer's toilet? Yes. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin? Yep. Tell the story. Well, I mean, what's there to really tell? Um, 
It didn't flush. <laughs> there was a house. So, you know, there's only so much you can do. Getting through the initial panic of... So, <laughs> now, every bathroom that I ever use, ever, I, I pre-flush. Not because I think it's dirty. I just want to make sure that it You want to make sure. Yep. Yep. I get it. Um, so yeah, it was an emergency situation. Um, and it was, it was ended up being a pretty big emergency, if I should say. <laughs> and then the clink, 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 clink. <laughs> uh, there was no water even on to the toilet. So that was a uh, panic. Yeah. Now what happens? So I, I technically didn't clog it, but there was nowhere. It wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was fortunately buckets and then there was water and I filled and I, yeah. So, but there was, there was some panic there. Okay. So the second part of that is, did you tell the customer? Oh, uh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> There was no remnants of anything. But was no <laughs> I just on. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I did. I did clog a customer's toilet, and I meant to tell her. I had all intentions of telling her. And you get busy, you know. I'm working. I, I was on the inside, so um, you know, I cleaned. I had all intentions to say, "Ma'am, I am so sorry." clogged up your toilet. I tried fixing, I couldn't. And, you know, I'm really sorry about that. And I forgot. So I left, I left and I got home. I didn't, didn't even think about it until I got home and I looked at my wife and I just turned white and I was like, I have to tell you what I did. And she was like, Oh, they're never calling us back. (laughs) I said, I know. And sure enough, the next year they called and never mentioned a word about it never mentioned a word to us about it. And I didn't mention anything. <laughs> I wasn't going to all, I really hoped that her husband got home and she just assumed it was his, you know, that's what I'm hoping happened, but it was never, never mentioned, never brought up. And, and that's what happened there. Faba is so afraid of this situation. He, if it's, if it's number two, he leaves, goes to a grocery store and then comes back. <laughs> he has started carrying poopery on with on the truck with him one bottle for him one bottle for the guys just in case and as every middle school girl will tell you when you're a middle school girl you learn one thing in middle school if you have if it's if it's a lot flush twice flush once twice. in the middle yep. once right. at the end i know i knew that i knew that i knew that and Let's just say I didn't expect I didn't expect it, so I I didn't anticipate the the need for the middle flush. All right, so <laughs> all right, that's one. Okay, what was the worst disaster that you've had on a job? Hmm. That, that like a worker's had or that we've personally had your, your, your company has had. Okay. So we had this new uh, ladder safety device and I, th- oh, you yeah. all know about this one, Yeah. but um, it was a ladder safety device where you can 
it looks like a briefcase. It folds out. You put your ladder on it, and it's rubber at the bottom. And so, and I and I told you about it. this. I gave you yes. the I gave you the recommendation. Yeah, it's so not just, your fault. I <laughs> well, I didn't know you. I didn't know what you guys were gonna do. What you do? Well, I'll just let you tell the story. <laughs> so, uh, you were able to set up your ladder, and it's gonna keep it from kicking out or whatever if it's at the right angle and everything else. Um, we and it, it's got rubber it's got rubber on the bottom of the case so yes. it can be used on like really slippery tile floors or wood floors you know and that's kind of what exactly. the idea is. yeah and we either always used to that or we used a rubber mat when we're inside people's homes using a ladder because we want to protect the floor and we also want to you know keep ourselves safe and sometimes floors can be really slick so that day, Feb and I were leaving to our anniversary weekend and the employees were working without us. And um, I don't know how they managed to do this, but they flipped the little rubber part to a different part of the case and they weren't communicating with each other and they didn't notice. And yes, they had been trained. We'd shown them everything and they set it up wrong. And so that employee got halfway up the ladder and the ladder slipped out because it was just plastic against hardwood instead of the rubber. And that employee, not only he fell through a glass table Mm. and uh, again, we were getting ready to go to the weekend. It happened to be at a house that was four houses down from our own house, one of our neighbors. And so I see our employee, one of the, his partner running to the house. And he's like, you got to come. you got to come. I think he's dead. And I was like, what? And no. I'm <coughs> running, freaking out. I've got like half a face of makeup here. I'm all like, cause I'm in the middle of getting dressed and I go over there and he's breathing. He's okay. Like he's holding his arm, but there's blood everywhere, everywhere. And I'm looking at our neighbors and I'm just like, and so we called, uh, you know, I said, let's call an ambulance or whatever. Our employee did not want to ride in the ambulance. He was afraid to. And I kept telling him, like, we have workers comp. We're going to cover this. You don't have to worry. But he refused. So I drove him. And, um, you know, I got there and his mom showed up. And he was just like, anyway, it was just a whole thing. And... I thank God we did have workers comp, but probably one of the worst days ever in our business mm. for sure. Yeah. And and he was, how long was he in the hospital? I remember it was a little while, wasn't it? Um, he, they let him out later that night, but he had to go back in for surgery okay. I think on that's what it was, his so, foot because yeah. he ended up cracking his heel. Mm. Uh, luckily the arm stuff, we were just lacerations. Um. And, but because he cracked his heel, um, he could not return to work. So our workers comp, you know, paid for him and everything else for months afterward. And then, you know, we decided we need to figure out how this happened. And we realized uh, pretty soon into it that the employee that fell had immediately blamed his partner. And we talked to his partner and his partner had said, I don't know how to set this up you need to check it before you get on. And he neglected to do so. Um, so we realized it's probably not worth having this guy back. And it was a really tough lesson. Um, but 
you know, sometimes these things can happen and we just have to be extra vigilant. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. You, Kevin? So probably the worst for eco, um, we set the fire alarms off at the hospital. (laughs) In the evening, which, you know, I mean, and it's loud and, and, you we kind of we know where we're working so we know what they call the area so though like the there's different buildings so there's a b c and d building um then by the floors and so we were working on some carpet stuff actually and we were creating some dust and it just didn't even dawn on me and i heard the fire alarm go off and i'm like oh you know maybe they're doing another drill and then i heard because then it it goes into where the fire is at right and i hear first floor uh oh building b uh oh radiology that's us that's us Mm. and so then i i gotta go i I go running out into the hall because i gotta meet try to meet security because we're in an area that is partially under construction so there's barriers they can't get through some of the other doors and here, you know, they're coming running and, and there's like a team of people. Everybody has to grab a fire extinguisher and they, and they head toward it. And I'm like, it's, it was us. It was just us. There's no fire. And of course, thankfully the fire department did not get called and we didn't have any of that to deal with. But um, now the company before that, the worst thing was uh, we had uh chemical dispensing system where you hooked a hose up to a jug and then you would just turn the water on, you push the button and, it, and you fill a bottle, fill a bucket. Well, somebody left that on, um, left the water on mm-hmm. and something in the hose broke and it ran all night. And the closet that it was in was right above their server room. And this, this was a credit union. Oh, and the water ran through the floor and ruined several tens of thousands of dollars worth of their servers. Wow, that that was by far the worst one because that call in the morning is, uh, you know, essentially somebody left the water running and you guys are in trouble. Yeah, so. We had to put a huge training thing in place, uh, you know, water, you got to make sure the water's, I mean, it was just, yeah. So that was, that was a lot. I should let you go last. Cause that's way, that's way worse than mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's way worse than mine. I had two as well, but one was monetarily. The other was embarrassment. Um, so one was um, we were doing this one building. I was using the lift and it was three story and we could have water fed it, but they wanted us to use the lift for whatever reason, you know, I'm like, that's fine. We can do it. You know, anyways, there was one section where all of it was really easy to reach with the exception of one area. And it was kind of like, a, um, it's like almost like a foyer, but it was outside, you know, it wasn't inside, it was outside, but it kind of went into like a little enclave and there was some palm trees there. So it was real tricky, a real tricky move with the boom. So I had to go in sideways and I went through these palm trees 
And I got there. I got all of them, but there was one window that was right there. I just could not reach. And I should have just used my pole. I should just pulled it sideways. But they all needed to be scrubbed really good because they were all they hadn't been cleaned in a long time. So they really needed a lot of work. Anyhow, I'm, I'm look back and I've got plenty of room. I'm on, I'm on the sidewalk, but I still got tons of, you know, I got a good six, eight feet of sidewalk left that I can go on, you know. So I'm like, okay, I can go over another foot. So I go over another foot to get it. And all of a sudden my, my, you know, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but the bucket just drops and you're like, what was that? Well, what I thought was sidewalk was a false sidewalk. It was like, uh, there was a lower story below it and you couldn't tell because it was there, but it was false. It was, there was nothing underneath it. So I, I cracked all the concrete that was on the entrance of this building so now no one could go through. That was the main entrance of the building. And I just broke the entrance. Wow. <laughs> and um, I, I did clean the window. <laughs> got it done. I'm like, well, <laughs> this window cost me a lot of money. I might as well clean it. Right. <laughs> and then I bet, you know, and I wasn't in, in any danger or anything because the three wheels were still on solid ground, but one wheel pushed through, broke that entrance. So I backed out. I was just like, oh, and all my workers are there and they were just all like, what happened? You know? And uh, they were more like, thank God it wasn't me. You know, <laughs> it was Gabe who did it. Um, I talked, the guy was the coolest guy I ever met. Cause I was like, oh man, they're going to, they're going to yell at me. They're going to, you know, tear into me. And he's like, well, you know, we were getting ready to do a huge remodel in six months. I guess it just got moved up to the next week. Huh? <laughs> Wow, and and he was like, you know, so I'll tell you what, why don't you send someone out here? Let's just get a. What would it cost me to replace this? I'll take it out of whatever your charge was, you know, whatever you're going to charge us, and then we'll just throw it into the budget of what we had for to to do all the re- renewal of this because it was really fancy. I mean, it was it was a uh, um, it was a three level building, and like I said, this foyer they had they had stairs going up, but they were concrete stairs. And like I said, I, you couldn't tell the bottom wasn't solid. It, it totally did not look like it was, it was, I mean, you couldn't tell that it wasn't solid. Um, so anyways, I, but for a whole week, no one could use the entrance. They had to all go through a side entrance wow. and they had to turn like an emergency, an emergency exit oh. to the main entrance for a whole week until the guy that I told them, they, they hired him to come and just fix it, you know, not, not to do the permanent job, but just to get it where it was safe to walk on so that um, all of these, you know, three dozen companies that worked there could actually get to their offices. Oh, no. <laughs> so that was one. The second one I went to, I, I got a call from this lady who was a, a house cleaner and she would always refer me to her clients, but she referred me to this new client. And she said, look, um, they want you to do in and out. Um, but they're not, they're out, they're out of the, uh, out of town. They, I guess they're snowbirds. So they were up North. And um, she says, so I, you got to wait till I get there before, um, you know, you come inside because they've got alarms and, and, you know, they're real careful about their stuff. So I'm, I don't know. So I, so I get there and um, so I, I text her, Hey, I'm here. And she says, go ahead and get started on the exterior. So I start getting on the exterior and um, I go, it's a big house. So I go all the way around and I get here and um, the garage door is open. Now the garage door wasn't open when I, when I got there. So I assumed she had gotten there. So I went in, pushed open the door, the alarms go off, Doo-doo, sirens off. 
And I'm like, what happened? You know, and, I'm, and as I'm yelling, for, her name was Yolanda. I'm like, Yolanda, Yolanda, no one's home. I don't, to this day, I don't know how this garage door got open. But of course the police come. Now, how am I going to explain that this garage door magically opened <laughs> and I, and the, and the, the kitchen door was open and, you know, so, I mean, I, I stuttered my way through this and, and they all, you know, like three or four cops pull in, you know, just all sirens blazing. And I'm standing here, this little Mexican guy, you know, like, oh, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And, uh, oh man, I, mean, I, I just, I was, it was such a terrible situation. And then of course it's in a real rich neighborhood. So all these cops around the house, all these rich people coming out and they see my truck with my lettering there, you know, what's Gabe's spotless window doing breaking into my neighbor's house. And I, it, the, and of course, then the tenant, the, the client calls, not me because it's not me. It calls the lady who hired me. What's happening. Someone's breaking into my house. And finally she gets there. And I mean, it just was like this huge thing. No one believed me. No one, everyone thought I was doing something nefarious. And it wasn't until the house cleaner came and explained and showed she had the key to the house, showed that she had hired me, but I wasn't just showing up and breaking into houses. And I mean, I was, oh. I was shaking when I left there. I was so like, I'm going to go to jail. They're going to send me to jail because nobody believes me. <laughs> and fi- thankfully they, they let me go and they knew that it wasn't, I didn't do anything on purpose, you know, but, oh, that was, that was like, and, and you know, what's funny is that lady called me back to clean her windows. Um, she called, <laughs> but not only did, was the house cleaner there, she had two of her sons who were really big there too. They were there. <laughs> So <laughs> they wanted to make sure she wanted to make sure I was really above board. Uh, but then after, a, after that, she was fine. I did have a, a cop show up one time. We, we had set an alarm. We started a new account and it's, it was pretty common. They give you the, the wrong code or they don't set it up right. Yeah. We set the alarm off and the police came and they recognized the trucks and they're like, eh, we know what you're doing, but I got to walk through. It was a bank. Yeah. He's like, ah, I got to walk through. And he went into an office and the, whoever was in that office had a cardboard cutout of James Dean standing in the corner. The cop nearly shot. He drew down. I mean, it scared him to death, oh, man. And I was laughing. I thought it was kind of funny, but he didn't think it was too funny. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all, we better stop here because I got 10 more questions, but we're, we are out of time, man. We I don't know why we can't just keep we just like each other too much. I think we just have too much fun with each other. So we'll, we'll end it there. Uh, anything you guys want to close out with about ITF or anything in general uh, before we end the podcast? Well, and just, you know, any, every, every, when you have questions, ask, you know, uh, Celeste and I were just talking about some stuff today, uh, asking questions. And, and I said, I think the term, this is a stupid question gets overused mainly because people are kind of preemptively saying, Hey, I, I don't want to get called stupid. So if I call myself stupid, Mm -hmm. um, then that won't happen. But with ITF, that's kind of what we've built this on is you don't have to preempt anything with that. If you don't know an answer, it's not a dumb question, right? Not getting the answer is the dumb thing to do. So just uh, that level, again, encouraging people, just if you've got a question, even if you've been beat up for it before, uh, ask it because getting the answer is the important thing and and getting either the right answer the first time or getting a whole bunch of, well, don't do this because this is what I did. 
um, can save you a ton um, of headache going forward. Mm -hmm. So I just keep want to keep encouraging people to ask those questions and, and not worry that you're going to get get a, a negative comment and you know occasionally it still happens but we yank those out of there pretty quick so yeah yeah we do we do handle those so that's something i'm very proud of with itf is that it's an it's a safe place you know i hate to use that term because that's almost a catchphrase now but uh you know people can ask questions and, and even if you just started the week before and you're wondering you know what a t-bar is for <laughs> you know you can ask it and we'll, we'll help you, yep. you know, and we'll we'll give you some suggestions you know so i, I think that's what makes it kind of cool you know for sure um, also, I think we should probably just give a shout out, you know, there's several in our group right now who are going through some pretty tough times and some have lost, uh, loved ones. Um, you know, Sean Gavin comes to mind, you know, who's from Tucker, always a super awesome supporter of ITF and any, any fundraisers that we do, you know, um, so we, we definitely want to send, um, good vibes and, and, uh, um, prayers to, to him and his family as they endure that, uh, one of our mods, Corey too, you know, he's lost a family member. Also his, his fur baby, you know, they had to put their, their dog down. That was a really tough thing for him to endure. And amongst other things too, uh, we have several in the group right now who are going through some challenging times. So it's a, a good opportunity for us to reach out to them and just, uh, um, tell them we're thinking of them and that let them know we're there to, to support and listen if they need to, to talk. Um, but sure. I think that's ITS good for that. You know, we got a lot of people who are willing to do that. Yep, They're looking absolutely. out for each other. And not alone. Yep. All of us have been through it one time, so we can definitely help each other out. But All right, y'all. Well, it was fun, Kev and, and Sarah. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, all you in out, out in ITF land, just uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We'll definitely have some more. We're going to try some more uh, Flow Me round tables just because I think it's it's cool for you guys to kind of get to know the mods better and uh, we can address specific things in, in the group that, that need to. But thanks a lot. You, got, you all have a great week and flow on.